And the Lord be with you, and welcome to worship uh, today. Uh, wake up, sleepyhead, right? Uh, reminded me uh, of the phrase, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but this is the case, I guess, where the government giveth and the government taketh away. Uh, so if you have anyone to blame for your lack of sleep, uh, blame Pharaoh or Caesar. But again, uh, this morning, welcome, and thank you for joining us for worship. Those scattered into our communities, we are gathered by the very power of the Holy Spirit to receive from God the rich blessings of life and faith in worship today through his word and also through the celebration of the sacrament in the life of God's people. So uh, again, thank you for your attendance uh, with us and your continued patience uh, as uh, we uh, go through the renovation process and prepare our hearts and minds as a congregation uh, to once again come back together uh, to rejoice in the good gifts that God has given us in this facility and our opportunity to steward it well, uh, not only for ourselves, but for subsequent generations. So uh, we appreciate your patience, your prayers, uh, and uh, your encouragement uh, during this interesting season of life and ministry uh, for us as a church body. But a couple of announcements, though, before we do begin this morning's worship. And again, my encouragement to you every week is to make sure that you have uh, printed out uh, the uh, uh, news and notes uh, prayer page uh, for yourself as a way of staying connected. Uh, but don't forget, whether it's through the website, through the weekly email blast, or through Facebook, uh, we do our best to over-communicate to you so that you know everything that's going on in the life of the church and can be a part of that for yourself uh, and for those uh, whom you love. But a couple of announcements, though, uh, for us as a congregation. One, uh, hopefully you saw the announcement that we will be worshiping as a church family Easter Sunday. Uh, that is in the gym. Um, and in order to do that, though, we need your help. And that is we need you to register uh, your presence uh, for that Sunday morning celebration. So you can use uh, the link that was sent out on Thursday uh, through the email blast. Uh, we'll be posting a link uh, later this week on our website, or you can use the link that was uh, posted on Facebook on Thursday as well. But please make sure for yourself, uh, for those who might be joining you, uh, that uh, you do register for that because we do need to arrange seating. Also, we are going to offer a light breakfast afterwards. And if you want to stick around for that, you're welcome to do that. And, and there is a place on uh, the uh, reservation system for you to acknowledge that you will uh, remain uh, and uh, socialize a bit uh, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. But as for uh, the remainder of Holy Week, uh, unfortunately, we'll be streaming uh, those services both Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday uh, at 7 o'clock on Thursday and Friday of that week. And so uh, look for more information about that. <coughs> and how you can still continue to participate uh, in Holy Week as we build up to our celebration of Easter. Also, uh, don't forget, we did put a new announcement in this week uh, for those of you uh, using the church directory, the online directory, that is. Uh, we want to encourage participation in that directory. Uh, and so if you have not already signed up for that, please do so. Contact the office, and Cami can walk you through the steps on how to do that, or we can even do it for you uh, here in the office. But again, uh, our encouragement to stay connected uh, with one another uh, through that directory. So if you haven't already filled that out, uh, please make sure you do so. All right. So again, uh, take some time uh, to familiarize yourself with what's going on in the life of the church, uh, whether it's through Facebook, uh, through the weekly email blast, or through the website. We uh, cherish your encouragement and participation uh, in the season uh, that we find ourselves in. Well, we are in the season of Lent, and uh, though Sundays are not part of Lent, 
they still uh, are opportunities for us uh, to return to the Lord and recognize what the Lord is doing in our lives as his people. And so this morning, uh, we're going to go to the Lord together, and we're going to use our worship packet, again, distributed via email, uh, for uh, Sunday, March 14th, the fourth Sunday in Lent. And so as you're able, I encourage you to have that open before you. And uh, we'll go before the Lord right now with our confession and assurance of God's love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. God of all mercy and consolation, come to the aid of your people, turning us from our sin to live for you alone. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit that attentive to your word, we may confess our sins, receive your forgiveness, and grow into the fullness of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Gracious God, have mercy on us. In your compassion, forgive us our sins, known and unknown, things done and left undone. Uphold us by your Spirit so that we may live and serve you in newness of life to the honor and glory of your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, get, uh, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you into eternal life. Amen. Well, we continue now with our opening hymn, uh, number 563, Jesus, Thy Blood and Righteousness. continue on uh, page three of our service folder with our greeting. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning in worship, uh, though scattered, we know you continue to gather us by the very power of your Holy Spirit. And so we ask, Lord, by the same Spirit that gathers us, that you now open our hearts and minds to the hearing of your word, so that we might receive, as is intended by you to receive, uh, the blessings uh, inherent within it. Uh, help us to see Jesus 
uh, Lord. Help us to take comfort uh, and strength uh, from his presence, uh, whether in the text or in our lives. We love you and we thank you for loving us and for gathering us as your people. We pray it all in your son's most holy and precious name. And all God's people say, amen. All right, we continue with our responsive psalm on page four of the service folder. It's the Psalm 107, verses 1 through 9. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The psalmist writes, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. He led them by straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. This is the word of the Lord. Our second uh, text this morning comes from the Old Testament, uh, the book of Numbers, uh, chapter 21, uh, the story of the bronze serpent. Uh, we'll see uh, this story again uh, in our service. From Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, that is the Israelites. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> then our final reading for this morning is our gospel text from John chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Jesus is the light of the world. John writes, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is the gospel of the Lord.
lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I Free at last, he has ransomed me. His grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. Who the sun sets free, oh, is free. chosen not forsaken I am who you say I am you are for me not against me I am who you say I am I am chosen not forsaken I am who you say I am you are for me not against me There's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Cause I am who you say I am. Yes, I am who you say I am. Amen. And thank you to Mary and Bill for our music this morning. And also thank you to our, I guess we'll call them production team or, or squad, uh, Angie Nitz and Lisa Lai and Alex Zimmerman uh, for making worship possible this morning. So, all right. Would you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer as we go before the Lord? Heavenly Father. Grateful that uh, by the power of your spirit, you've gathered us unto yourself today. And despite uh, perhaps a, a feeling of disconnect at times with our brothers and sisters in Christ, we realize the very power of your spirit, the very power of your spirit 
joins us as one body in Jesus, where he is the head. And we make up the arms and the legs and the eyes and the ears and the feet and the toes and the stomach. So in a sense, we pray that as we hear your word to us today, you help us rejoice. Rejoice that we have a place in the church, the body of Christ. That there's a seat at the table. And that you're always there welcoming us with open arms. We love you and we thank you for loving us and for giving us this gift of worship. In your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. And those of you at home, give me a loud amen, right? Amen. <laughs> Let your neighbors uh, wonder what is going on in that house, in that apartment. Why do those people keep crying, amen, hallelujah, amen? <laughs> anyway, we are continuing our Sunday in Lent uh, sermon series titled Return to the Lord, uh, making use of this handy Lenten devotional that we began to distribute to you uh, when the Lenten season started. But it, it's, it's there to help us along this path to Easter. And that grand celebration when we'll gather together and we'll say and we'll sing our alleluias and our amens to the Lord. So today I'm going to be looking at John chapter 3, the gospel text. And you heard a, a portion of that text in the gospel lesson this morning. Uh, possibly the most famous portion uh, of chapter 3, right? Uh, verse 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then there's that additional uh, part, I, I would say equally amazing assertion from verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. Uh, not to condemn, but to save. Yet I would say that, that despite all the attention that the, the, the former and the latter verse get, uh, the riches of this chapter just keep coming, right? It's like those government stimulus checks, right? Uh, there is more uh, and more and more, uh, apparently a bottomless well. Uh, but in the case of Scripture, this is true. Uh, there is more in this chapter um, because this is all in the context of the story of Nicodemus, all right? Uh, a Pharisee, uh, a guy who goes to Jesus uh, in the night with questions about life in salvation. So let's do this. I'm going to read to you then the context of John chapter 3, all right, and the story of Nicodemus, all right. Um, and we're going to make the connection then with our devotional reading uh, from today, which is Luke chapter 2, and I'll take you there uh, in just a minute. So uh, just bear with me uh, as we go through the story, uh, and you'll see what I mean. So, all right. So this is from uh, John 3, uh, beginning with the story of Nicodemus, starting at verse 1. Uh, this is all prior to verses 13 and 16 uh, in the text. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. 
for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God was not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. Verse 10. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Now, here's John's reference to the Old Testament reading from Numbers. This is verse 14 of chapter 3. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. All right, so that's the text. Now, let's say this. Let's say Nicodemus was in the midnight of confusion. All right. Recall that he goes to Jesus uh, in the dark, right, if you will. I mean, there's this darkness which envelops him, which is natural, right? That of the night sky, the sun has set uh, in the hours, right, of the clock have turned. But there's also this unnatural darkness, that of the darkness of sin and eternal death, which has also enveloped him. You know, the Apostle John makes great use of the themes of light and darkness. Uh, it's a way of, uh, for him for contrasting life and death and sin and, and salvation. And this is just one example. But it's this idea that our sinful nature loves the darkness. A and John uh, reminds us that unrepentant sinners persist in evil deeds, and this persistence keeps them from experiencing the light. Or think of it this way. The closer I get to the sun, right, the more my pasty white skin gets exposed, right, and gets burned. So the closer I get to the light, the more my sin gets exposed. As the Holy Spirit works within me, he opens up my eyes to see my true self. You see, it's not intellectual issues which keep people uh, from Jesus, it's spiritual blindness, right? It's not intellectual issues which keep people from seeing Jesus. It's spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness loves the dark and hates the light and, fate, uh, and fights any attempt to see the truth. So think of it this way. Think of it this way in relation to today's reading in our Lenten devotional book from A Return to the Lord. It's a reading uh, which is on Luke chapter 2, and specifically on Simeon, okay? And hopefully if you are joining us on a daily basis to go through uh, this devotion, uh, as well as pray the prayers that I distribute through our distribution system, um, hopefully you've had a chance to look at the devotion already this morning. But if not, know that it's the story of Jesus' parents 
presenting him in the temple for the rite of purification, right? The law of Moses demanded that the firstborn son of the family be presented in the temple for the temple for this rite of purification. Uh, it's where the firstborn male is consecrated to the Lord. It's somewhat, somewhat similar to baptism, but it's definitely not as inclusive uh, as baptism is since this is only for the firstborn male. Anyway, so uh, there is this guy at the temple, his name is Simeon, and he's been waiting his whole adult life anticipating the arrival of the Messiah, right, to rescue the people of God. The text tells us that the Holy Spirit is upon him, and he's promised that he would see the Savior before the Lord called him home to be with him. And so because of this, right, history and tradition have Simeon uh, as an elderly uh, man near death uh, in this chapter. We don't know for sure, but the context tends to lend itself to that reading. But think about the process of aging and how it affects our bodies, right? His aged eyes would have trouble seeing, right? I mean, I'm 50, and I'm now using reading glasses more often than not. <laughs> so this idea of Simeon seeing is important here, right? Not just physically, right? Don't miss this. It's not just physically what he's seeing, but even more so spiritually. Because Simeon, like Abraham, he believed God's promises to him by the Holy Spirit, and he waited, and he trusted. He waited and trusted in the Lord, and he found assurance in God's faithfulness across the ages to his people. So he could have been completely blind. He could have been dealing with cataracts, or he could have been dealing with declining vision that comes with age, but he saw so clearly spiritually that there was no darkness to cloud or block his vision. So Simeon sees with his eyes and his heart the salvation of the Lord in Christ Jesus. So if you take that devotional lesson this morning and you go back now to the gospel lesson of John chapter 3, we're reminded because of Nicodemus that one needs this clear spiritual vision uh, to see this connection between the Old Testament reading, uh, which I read for you earlier, uh, and the serpent on the staff being lifted up so as to heal the people, and this New Testament lesson of Jesus from John chapter 3, verse 14, which says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. You see, Jesus says to Nicodemus, Look, you're a Pharisee, right? You're a rabbi. You're a teacher of the people. You know well this story. You've probably heard it a million times since you were a child, and it's memorized. It's ingrained on your heart. Nicodemus, this is a story of faith. When the people looked by faith, they were saved because of what, what God had told Moses to do and because Moses was faithful in his response to God. And in the same way, Simeon looks by faith at Jesus. Do you look by faith to Christ? Do I look by faith to Christ? So think about it this way. Consider that verb lifted up, all right? Because the verb lifted up it has a dual meaning uh, in Scripture. It means one, to be crucified, and also means to be glorified. 
And the verb is also used in John chapter 8 and John chapter 12 uh, and Acts chapter 2, all for these various meanings. So the idea is that as much as the serpent was lifted up on the pole, all right, Old Testament, so the Son of God would be lifted up on the cross, New Testament. Why? To save us from sin and death. To save us from sin and death. In the Old Testament lesson, we see the Israelite camp and a need for a solution to the serpent problem, right? I mean, no one likes snakes, right? <laughs> Maybe a herpetologist, but, but that's about it. So what's the solution? Killing the serpents, right? Uh, call an exterminator, right? Produce a vaccine to counteract serpent bites, right? Or how about just canceling the serpents and, and pretending they weren't there or didn't even exist? Or passing anti-serpent laws, right? Or how about a, a pole climbing contest by all the patients, right? Or silliness aside, how about none of the above? None of the above, because the answer was looking in faith at the uplifted serpent, right? The whole world had been bitten and poisoned by sin, right? This is Romans 6. God sends his son to die not only for Israel, but for the whole world, and that's why looking to Jesus saves. You see, the difference between perishing and living and between condemnation and salvation is faith in Jesus. Jesus could have come into the world to condemn the world, but he didn't, right? The text tells us he came to save, to offer himself upon the cross as the uplifted servant. You see, the serpent in Moses' day brought physical life to dying Israelites, but Christ gives eternal life to anyone who trusts in him. His is a salvation for the world, right? So think of it this way. Nicodemus comes by night, and yet he remains in the dark, right? He could not understand this new birth even if, after Jesus had explained it to him. Jesus clearly states uh, that Nicodemus' knowledge of the Old Testament should have given him the light he needed to understand. But here's the deal. Nicodemus, as a teacher, knew the facts recorded in Scripture, but he could not understand the truths. Knowledge is one thing, but wisdom, wisdom is so much more. Why? Well, here's a lesson. I think at least one of them we can pull from the context of the John 3.16 passage. You see, for one thing, the religious leaders like Nicodemus would not submit to the authority of Christ's teaching, to the authority of his witness. And this authority, a conflict, will continue to, to grow and escalate the closer and closer Jesus gets uh, to his trial and to his, his, his crucifixion. You see, the religious leaders claim they believed Moses, yet they would not believe Jesus. The text reminds us that the Pharisees were more concerned with the praise of men than they were with God. In fact, Jesus says, I have used earthly illustrations and you cannot understand. If I share spiritual truths with you, you still will not know. And so this is even where you and I are confronted. Do you, do I, 
do we submit to the authority of Christ in our lives? That is, have we placed ourselves under the scriptures, right? Allowing ourselves to be shaped by the word of God for the Lord's purposes. If I say yes, can I give evidence of that submission to Christ? Do we believe that when Jesus, when he offers us his forgiveness and salvation, uh, do we believe it? And do we receive it as such? (laughs) Or do we believe we have to do something to earn God's forgiveness? That somehow, for some reason, we're still just not quite acceptable in God's eyes. Are Are we truly resting and rejoicing in God's acceptance of us? Or do we find ourselves continually waffling back and forth, one day believing, the next day doubting? How about this? Do we desire the praise of men or the praise of God? What motivates us to do the things we do? Acceptance and praise by people uh, we don't show, uh, we don't know on social media, or a motivation born of sin, or perhaps better yet, a motivation born of the Spirit, where our daily prayers and actions are shaped by a Christ-like desire simply to do the will of the Lord for the good of others and to his glory. You see, just as Nicodemus was confronted, the text also confronts you and me. But thankfully, the text follows quickly with those words of comfort, with those words of forgiveness, those words of grace, those words of the reminder of Jesus coming into the world not to condemn it, but to save it. So was Nicodemus saved? Well, if you fast forward the story of Jesus to John chapter 19, right, John writes this, beginning with verse 38 of that portion of the text. He says, and this is just after the crucifixion of Christ. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. Verse 39, he was accompanied by Nicodemus. Joseph of Arimathea was accompanied by Nicodemus. The text tells us the man who had visited Jesus earlier at night. So out of that midnight of confusion, Nicodemus comes into the sunlight of confession that Jesus is Lord. He identifies as a follower of Christ. Perhaps it was at the crucifixion when he made that connection between Jesus and the serpent of Moses' day, or perhaps it was earlier. Either way, he's no longer blind, spiritually speaking, right? He could see. He could see clearly. So we have an Old Testament lesson. We have a gospel lesson. We have a devotional lesson, all reminding us of the importance of our vision. Not necessarily our eyesight, but what our heart sees. And as John reminds us, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it, so that all who look to Jesus will know with their head and their heart eternal life in his name. Amen.
Well, we continue then uh, with our worship this morning on page six with our confession of faith as found in the words of the Apostles' Creed as well as the prayers of God's people. Certainly encourage you to have also ready your uh, communion kit uh, for this morning's uh, celebration of that table of grace and belonging. Also, a reminder to you, if uh, you do have a prayer request, please let us know about that request. Or if you have previously put in a prayer request, um, please also update us with whether or not we should continue with that request. Also, uh, I do not put or post requests unless I have your permission. Uh, and so again, please uh, be aware of that if something is missing. Perhaps I haven't had a chance uh, to ask you for that permission and uh, so would appreciate uh, any feedback you might provide if you have a request for us. Okay, so we continue then on page six with our confession of faith with Christians around the world and across the ages in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray then for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Would you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the ability to see <laughs> clearly, at least spiritually. Perhaps our eyes are beset by age, um, those problems that come with that. Or perhaps we rejoice that our vision uh, is just as strong as it was in our youth. Either way, we give thanks that by the very power of your Holy Spirit, both our head and our heart have seen and received the salvation unto the Lord through your Son, Jesus. And so thank you. And Lord, it's with this precious gift of salvation that you've given to us that we so long desire that those whom we know and love would also possess this, this vision of salvation for themselves and for those whom they love and for those whom they know. And so we pray, Father, that just as the Spirit has touched our heart with a knowledge of your love for us, with the knowledge of forgiveness and grace and mercy, so too it would touch the heart and mind of those whom we love, our family members, our neighbors, our coworkers, Lord, even the strangers among us, that your world would know a settled peace within its heart. It would know your compassion and your power and your grace. It would know your life which comes to us through Jesus, a life which the world cannot give because Christ has given it in himself at the cross and to us as his followers. So we pray. We pray for that vision, that vision of salvation in our lives and in those whom we love. And we pray too for a better vision for our communities, for our state and for our nation. And continue to pray, Lord, for those whom you've placed in authority over us, 
that as followers of Jesus, we would put the best construction on all things, including uh, what we hear, what we read, what is posted online, what we repost. That, Lord, that you would prevent us from bearing false witness against others. And that you would continually, by your spirit, remind us to pray for those, Lord, whom, again, you've placed in authority over us. So whether at the local, the state, or the national level, we commend our leaders to you. We thank you for these men and women, these positions of authority, responsibility. We pray that you would give them wisdom. We pray, Lord, that each of them would have a heart which seeks after your will for themselves and also uh, for those whom, whom they're responsible for. Thank you for this opportunity to live in a republic and practice democracy. And we pray that as the people of God, we would steward it well, not just for ourselves, but for our neighbor, for our family member. That we would cherish it and that we would use it wisely for the good of others. Lord, you know within the body of Christ, there are people who are, are suffering. There's physical suffering. Lord, there's, there's financial suffering. Lord, there's relational suffering. Uh, one thing that we have learned, Father, uh, from this whole pandemic and being isolated from one another is that that isolation is not good for us. So by your spirit, help us, uh, Lord, uh, through the rollout of vaccines and through the continual use of, of the wearing of masks to ramp up those connections, text and phone calls and visits, Lord, to once again know the, the beauty of relationships in Christ. We thank you for the progress that we've made towards eliminating or at least addressing the problem of the pandemic. We continue to thank you for our healthcare workers and, and those who are helping to, to make possible the rollout of those vaccines. We certainly pray for our own safety and health. We just continue to pray that as we find ourselves as a church body, as Holy Cross in this, this season, Lord, that you would continue to help us feel a sense of connection with one another. That despite the delays in renovation, Lord, that you would expedite <laughs> those things like permitting processes. <laughs> expedite so your people will not be separated, isolated, and that it will come to a close. For Father, hear our hearts. We long to gather together in your sanctuary to praise your name and receive from you the good gifts together. So we commend ourselves to you. We commend those experiences that your people are experiencing. We commend the need for healing and hope. We commend to you the need for peace and power. We commend to you, Lord, the countless prayers unspoken now being lifted up by those who are gathered, those scattered, to you this day. And we commend it in a place of trust and assurance, knowing that you will hear our prayers and that you will answer them in your time and in your way for our good and your glory. 
we would ask nothing else than that. And so together we pray the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Despite our scattering, uh, the Lord continues uh, to gather, even at this table of grace and belonging, whether it here it is here in his home or your home. And so it is as the people of God, this opportunity for us to celebrate the sacrament together. We continue then on page seven of our worship packet. We begin with a preface. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner also, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to all of them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Take and eat the body of Christ, given unto death for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink the blood of Christ, shed for you. And now may this very body and blood of our Lord and Savior strengthen and encourage you in one true faith and continually remind you of God's love for you as his people. Go in his peace and with his blessing and in complete, clear vision.
Comes like a flood, comes flowing down. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life, I all to you. I'm in of you. Where like a flood comes flowing bow our heads for a closing prayer. Jesus, Savior of the world, 
at the cross or before the empty tomb. Thank you for helping us see both clearly. As we transition to the week ahead, we pray that those would be two very visible signs before us during the day and even as we lay our head on the pillow at night. Thank you for the vision to see and more importantly, the vision to believe. It's in your name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen, amen, amen. Our closing hymn this morning is 575. My hope is built on nothing less.